for you at this time, this Sabbath day, a, a day of rest, a day of focus on you, a day to let down the cares of the world and continue to walk that higher ground as we are guided through your word, as we learn what your word is all about and how we need to understand it and then apply it, which was the message of the past feast, that we would learn the truths and understand them as well. We ask for a special blessing on all those who are joining, wherever they might be around the world. We're so grateful that we could be a mouthpiece for you. We know we must remain faithful in that and that you will bless all those who are hearing your word and understanding your word. And we pray that we would be a blessing to them as they are to us. We ask for your continued guidance over those that are struggling at this time, those that have a special need, health, physical, whatever it might be, that you would be their Yahweh Rapha. So we pray, Almighty Yahweh, now that you bless the Sabbath, Sabbath worship and that we might be a guide to so many who are seeking your truths. So in Yahshua's name we pray. Hallelujah. You may be seated. What do you want on your tombstone? So read a slogan once advertising a commercial brand pizza. The scriptures tell us that we, in essence, write our own epitaphs every day of our lives. Each day means more added to the testimony that one day we'll carry on into the kingdom or not, depending on our faithfulness. Ultimately, all that we do will impact our eternal rewards. Greater rewards for those who love Yahweh, greater things in store to serve him. That's what we want. We want to serve him. You know, a disparaging term among many is works righteousness. Well, actually, it shouldn't be disparaging because we must have obedience to Yahweh's word and we have to have a righteousness of works for everlasting rewards. It's not just our thoughts that will answer to what we are in this life. It's going to be what we do. And I want to point a number of things out in that regard. What we do is what matters. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. That means everybody is going to be judged. Keep that in mind. Always keep that in mind. I would say keep that in mind every day you wake up. Everyone's going to appear before the judgment seat. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. Notice, body, physical, things you do according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. According to what we do. Ecclesiastes 12.14, for Elohim shall bring every work into judgment. See, that's how he's going to judge us by how we live this life. With every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil. We make our own bed. We can't blame Yahweh at that time saying, well, you weren't fair. Oh, yeah. And not, and not only that, he, he plans it out for us and lets us see the plan. You know, the world's impact has a hazard on our spiritual health. 
This is one of the lessons we learn at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is learning to do and to apply those things that, are, that matter in our lives. Throw out the bad, take in the good. We learned all about that at this feast. We need periodic evaluations in our lives, periodically. And we do that every Sabbath. But we also do it more intensely during the seven annual Moedim, or called-out times. Corrections are good. Make sure we're still on target. It's good to have, you know, course corrections. The narrow road we are on is narrow by nature. There are built-in oppositions, challenges, even dangers on this road. But it's the road we have to travel. It's the road carved out for us. You and I are USDA prime choice for attack by the evil one. We know that. All true worshipers wear a bullseye on their backs, just as Joshua did, and he said we would too. But it's all for a purpose. That's the price we must pay to be one of his. Hasatan doesn't try those ruled by the world. He's already got them. He's got them in the bag. It doesn't, they don't matter. There's no problem there. But the adversary knows that the commanded holy days have a critical purpose and are top priority in Yahweh's chosen, or at least potentially chosen, Yahweh's called out ones. His plans and commands center on his days that he calls out to worship. Yahweh is preparing a priesthood here and now, and Satan fears that growing chorus from the opposition. And so he tries all the harder as he sees that day approaching. He tries and tries and tries again. And he wins oftentimes. And that's the warning that we have to always keep in mind too. Even though we've had to keep the 2020 Passover and feast without live fellowship, there was a silver lining in it all. My prayer is that this social deprivation will motivate more and more people to want to attend the feast from now on. Ones that maybe have come and are kind of still on the fence, maybe this will motivate them. Because like the old song says, you don't know what you have till you've lost it. You don't know what you got till it's gone. So it's not going to be gone, hopefully, but uh, we will continue on obeying Yahweh at his feast and Sabbath as long as we have the breath. That's the only way possible. We're hearing from dozens. What's interesting, I've noticed that dozens of people we've never heard from before are writing in, they're communicating, they're contributing, they're helping us now. It's all good. It's all good. But they never took the next step to be active. They, some say, well, we've, yeah, we've, we've been watching you for two, three years. But that's as far as it went. They never took the next step to become involved. And you know, that's kind of a microcosm of what Yahweh's truth is. You can't just read it and know it. You've got to get involved in it. It's an active worship that we have to be on. This pandemic reveals in an ominous way that we live in a changing world, a world that's going south in many ways. We need Yahweh's strength more than ever before to persevere in it. When police stop, I should say start, finding worshipers, 
$500 each for going to a worship service in a parking lot in their cars with windows up, protected the whole time, that becomes a warning sign to me. If I were a policeman and told to do that, I'd respectfully decline. If I lost my job, I'd say, so I lost my job. I'm not going to do an assault on my creator that way. I'm not going to stop worship, people trying to worship in the way they know. And if they throw me in Leavenworth, well, hey, you know what? I would count it as a a Pauline experience, what Paul did. He wrote some of the most striking letters in the Bible in prison. He was always in prison for following Yahweh, always. Well, here we go again, you know. The believer submits to the authorities unless it conflicts with Yahweh's word. And that's where the line is drawn. The authorities in that Mississippi town, I'm afraid, cross the line. Yahshua said that this kind of thing will happen, especially to believers. So we got to expect it. More may be coming. We got to be ready. We got to be strong. We got to be spiritually ready to make a stand no matter what. Matthew, in fact, in Matthew 10, 18, he said, And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. A testimony against them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, take no thought of what you're going to say. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're brought before the, the court or whatever it might be. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak, for it is not you that speaks, but the spirit of your father, which speaks in you. As we see what's happening against people of faith today, we see the day, the hour of our decision getting closer and closer. How ready are we? Have we been faithful? Is Yahweh going to... Bless our faithfulness with the strength of the Spirit to stand? Or are we just fence sitters that will fall at the certain little opposition? Like Job, Yahweh allows some testing to see what we're made of, to see what's in our heart, to test our heart condition. So that He'll know whether he can use this or not in his kingdom. The rewards are so immense. That's why the road there is sometimes so difficult. To be with Yahweh for eternity. Being a kingdom of priests to serve him. I mean, that's just, that's just mind-boggling. No wonder we face some opposition. Sometimes stiff opposition in this world, from all sorts of places. But look at the prize. Naturally, it's going to be tough to get there. But the prize is so much worth it. What he has planned for his first fruits faithful doesn't automatically happen or come to just anyone. It involves choosing those with the highest level of spirituality. True worship is an active term. It's not a passive mental exercise. Attending the feast is proof of one's dedication in serving Yahweh. It's proof that your heart is right, and no matter what, you're going to serve him 
and get, get there at all costs. It requires action, leaving conflicts, leaving problems at home or whatever, and stepping out with other brethren who have done the same thing, who are in search of that kingdom prize. We see a lot of selfless sacrificing today in our world. People that have needs are being met by other generous people. That's good. That's really good. It's good to see for once, you know, to see it happening everywhere because everybody's under duress. That's great. But how much more are we believers called to serve brethren in some fashion or another, to be supportive of them by coming to the feast with them? Do we ever think of it that way? Or is it all kind of, what am I going to do? How much I got to struggle? How much I got to? How about focusing on the brethren you're there to serve? Yasha says, you serve them, you serve me. That's the greatest service of all. Let's think of it that way. That should be part of our devotion as well, to be an uplift, to be a guide, to be a help to the brethren who are also struggling in many ways. Yasha said in Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, to me. How do we serve Yahshua? Serve the brethren. True worship is about striving to live the life of Yahshua. He's got the pattern. He's got the model. We model ourselves after him. He's the gold standard by which we will all be judged. Revelation 2.26, and he that overcomes and keeps my works, notice that, works, not my thoughts, my works, until the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Keeping the holy days and Sabbath is about overcoming our own inertia. Inertia. That's a body that's at rest tends to stay at rest. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. That's inertia. Our natural resistance to leaving our comfort zone, leaving the world's allures, overcoming pushback from family, friends, jobs, and schools, overcoming all of that. What we're called on to do. Know what Isaiah 66, 23 tells us about the coming kingdom. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says Yahweh. One new moon, one Sabbath to another. We're talking feast days as well as weekly Sabbath. On every Sabbath and every new moon and every feast, we will go to worship Almighty Yahweh in the coming kingdom. Think about that. Time to get into the routine now, if we want to be in that one. Zechariah 14, 16, and it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, you might say, well, yeah, all nations that come against Israel. That's not me. I'm not coming against Israel. Keep on reading. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth. 
unto Jerusalem to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts. Even then, upon them will be no rain. Yahweh's serious about this. Yahweh's serious. No rain is bad. No rain brings in all sorts of problems from starvation, from disease, all sorts of problems with no rain, death. What should be resonating with us when we read this? That Yahweh is dead serious. He will force the whole earth to keep his feast, not just Jews, not just Israel, the whole earth. This mandate shows how uncompromising he is that all believers must honor his feast days. You must at that point. So why won't we do it now? Why won't we prepare and show a good heart condition to him that this is what we want? Today we have a choice. Not so when Yasha returns. Obedience will be mandated. Choice will be a thing of the past. In the millennium, you either comply or you die. There is no reward for doing something that you are forced to do. You know, you tell somebody to go do something, they do it. That's what I expected you to do. When you are forced, you have no choice. Under duress, there's no heart involvement or decisions to be made. You just do it. When we tell a son or daughter maybe to go do a chore and they do it, yeah, we're happy. We're glad they did that. But when that son or daughter does things automatically without being told, now that resonates. That resonates with us. That is what really pleases the parent and makes him know that the child is now arriving at maturity. He can see what needs to be done and he does it without being told. We have been told about the feasts. We have been told. And we have the choice. We have the choice whether to do it or not. But that's where the rewards are, brethren. That's where the rewards will be if we do what Yahweh has told us to do by choice. No, we don't have to go. 99.999% of the world isn't going to go. But we have the choice. This is what resonates with Yahweh. That's where the rewards are because the choices we make reflect our hearts. He judges our hearts through our actions. You know, you don't do something you don't believe in, right? You can't fake it. What you do is what you are, and it shows. 1 Samuel 2, 3 says he weighs our actions, not our intentions, not our words, not our talk. Too often when all is said and done, more is said than done. Your epitaph is being written by what you do, which is a barometer of where you are spiritually. What level are you on the spiritual meter? When your life is, is complete and the, the record is made, the only thing that matters is who you are inside. How faithful you were in serving the one you worship. For those who have yet to figure it out, Everything outside of Yahweh is an empire of dirt. Johnny Cash sang about that one time. You look back on his life and you can watch the video online. All he went through and 
all the different things he did and had the fun and the joys of the work, and it was all done. A man's sitting there ready to die, and he said, it's all an empire of dirt. Until the rewards are given out at Yahshua's coming, we must constantly scrape off the dirt of the world. We've got to remove the grime that has polluted us in our minds and in our hearts. Hebrews 12.1, Wherefore, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Oh, my word, a mouthful. The sin that so easily besets us. And isn't that true? And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Again, run. It's an action. It's not passive sitting in a chair. Thinking nice thoughts. The thinking of the world is in diametric opposition to the way of the word. The wages of truth. In which the world will try to dissuade us. But people try to still make a mark in the world as if it's going to last forever. You know, Marge and I once lived near an a, uh, emerging upscale housing development. And we watched this massive house right out in the middle of nowhere being built. Big old house. It took months. And then we noticed, after it was completed, month after month went by and nobody's there. What did it, why would they build this? Nobody's there. No, no, there was no sign, no for sale sign. And, you know, no, no contractor made it on spec. It just sat there empty. We learned later that an elderly man had built the house with plans for a housing development, and this is his flagship at the, at the start of that uh, development. But he died. And in an instant, everything had changed. Maybe it was a lifelong dream. Maybe he was out to make a name for himself at that late stage. He was elderly in his life. I don't know. But what I do know is that so many others are doing the same thing, thinking it's going to go on forever. Living to make a mark in a temporal world that will soon fade away as an empire of dirt. Yahweh brings us into stark focus in 2 Peter 3.9. Yahweh is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He isn't going to fool around. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what he wants everybody, to come to his word, to come to him, to follow Yahshua the Messiah. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to have to destroy anybody. But again, if they are, they did it to themselves. Verse 10, but the day of Yahweh will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that we all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought we be in all holy conversation and piety? Looking first and hasting into the coming of the day of Yahweh. Wanting to prepare for that day. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. 
and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth. This is only temporary out here in this world. It's only for a short while. 70, 80 years ain't that much. Comes pretty fast. But he says you've got a better world coming if you're faithful. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. The beauty of the Bible is that we know the plan for this planet already. We know it's coming. We know. This, you know the poor people out there suffering under this pandemic. And you don't know what, what into, you know, the, the drug use is going up. Alcoholism is going up. People are beating children. They have no hope. They have no, no foresight beyond this. This is just the precursor. This is just the start of the tribulations to come. But we know what it is. We know what's coming. We don't have to guess or fear the future. We operate from foreknowledge. It's our safety net. We are comforted by a faith that the world lacks. It's comforting to know what Yahweh has in store. We don't have to guess. You know, as the rocks flew at the New Testament martyr Stephen, he looked up into heaven in complete serenity. He saw Yahweh on his throne, in his mind's eye, of course, knowing fully that Yahweh was with him and that he had nothing to fear in death. Nothing. When it's our turn to go, all our earthly pursuits end, it's then that we realize what is important and what is not. Of course, by that time, it's probably too late either way. Yahweh is not impressed with purely human accomplishments. He has no use for trivial pursuits. When the disciples were impressed with and called Yahshua's attention to the huge stones in the temple, Wow, look at this. Look at this. They're walking by. These things are 50 feet long and 30 feet high and probably weigh a thousand tons. Yasha was not impressed. He says, guess what? There's coming a time when no stone will be stacked upon another. It'll all be thrown down. He wasn't impressed with the things of this world. It's a pile of dirt now. Well, they've rebuilt it, but after that it was a pile of dirt. Yahweh is working out a plan here and now to be worked out for eternity. At the end of your allotted time, all that will matter is the spiritual condition that exists in your heart. That's all that's going to matter as far as Yahweh is concerned. And what you did with the knowledge you had while you had it, the choices that you could make, your future destiny pivots on how you live now. Now. It's all a condition of the heart. What do you want in your tombstone? For the vast majority, their tombstone will read, well, Yahweh gave me life, and by gum, if I didn't live it to the fullest. I took those talents I was given, and I buried them deep. Where, uh, by the way, I am right now. As a matter of fact, but I always went for the gusto. It was fun while it lasted. That's the attitude of most people today. But it didn't last. That's the problem. It did not last. It never lasts. How pitiful. What a waste of the gift of life. What a true waste. Sure, we have to live in this world, but our real focus should be on the future, on what's coming, what Yahweh has planned, where we're going to fit into that plan. When this 
Life is gone and we press on into the next. When he calls us to do, do we resist or willingly submit to the ruler of all? When he commands us to obey completely, do we sometimes make excuses? As Moses did when he called Moses forward to take a message to Pharaoh and lead the people out of Egypt. What did Moses do? Exodus 3.11, well, <laughs> I'm a nobody. He's not going to listen to me. How can I lead anybody? 4.1, well, they're going to doubt me. They're not going to take this seriously. Exodus 10, verse 10, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not eloquent. I can't talk right. What's the point? Pharaoh wasn't going to listen anyway. Why didn't Yahweh just remove all these obstacles in this man? Why didn't he just smooth the way so it would be easy for him? Deep six. Pharaoh and his army right away and make it easy on everybody. Or why didn't he just knock Pharaoh to his knees and make him a blubbering animal like he did Nebuchadnezzar? And then he would be thrilled to give up the people when he got his real life back without a fight. Or why didn't he choose someone other than Moses who had a silver tongue and full of charisma? Because Yahweh likes to do the unexpected. Yahweh likes to work with the lesser and make it more. That's why he didn't choose somebody else. He said, I don't care, Moses. Give me any excuse you want. You're going to do it. And I'll help you do it. And he did. Yahweh doesn't work the way we do. He makes us go with what we have and then develop that into something great to build spiritual strength and stamina like a muscle pushing against the resistance grows in its strength. He wants us to persevere, to prepare for spiritual warfare. I remember one of the uh, government leaders when they were criticizing the going into Iraq because we didn't have the right equipment and so forth. And uh, I think it was Rumsfeld. He says, you go with the army you got. And that's what Yahweh's doing. He's going with his army, and he's developing it. So when it comes to his commands, when he tells us to keep his word and take it to the world by our example, the obstacles are still there. We just have to overcome them. We pray that he gives us the strength to overcome, not to remove those things necessarily. You know, events in our world are rapidly bringing us to a close. And, and Yahweh is coming to the modern Moses to take the truth to the masses before Yahshua returns. He said that the wor- word would go out to all the world and then the end would come. How is it happening? Is he calling down Gabriel with a big trumpet to blast around the world? No, he's using his people. He's using us. He's using whoever's preaching the word to go around the world. You and I have a job to do. We got to work together. We got to get harnessed like horses and work together. Are we ready? Ready to stand before kings in chains if we have to? Do we have the strength and resolve for that? Or are we too weak? I can't do it. Like Moses. (laughs) Ain't going to happen. I'm just not. I'm not up to it. I can't do it. I don't have the ability. And it's going to happen. 
When we say that we got to go out and be a witness to the world, do we say we can't? We don't have the ability, the knowledge, communication skills, or people skills, or Bible understanding. We can't do it. We're all here in training to strengthen those areas where we need to be strengthened. Those areas where we fall short, that's part of what the Feast of Unleavened Bread was about. We are in close, prayerful communication with Yahweh, or else we need to be when we follow his word. Every day, do we let questionable activities get a pass in our life because we might enjoy them, or do we deal with them immediately and put them down by the power of Yahweh's word? We reveal our spiritual health in a number of ways. If we're not healthy in any area, now is the time to fix it. Now is the time to work on getting healthy spiritually. A key indicator of your spiritual status is how you look at and use the blessings of life. When he tells you to return 10% because it belongs to me and not you, do we do that? 10% of your increase because it is his and not ours? What is our response? There is no act of worship that stands out so powerfully as when we give of something that we work every day for back to Yahweh that reveals the true heart better than anything else. Each of us needs to ask ourselves, do we really come first or am I number one in my life? Does he really come first? I don't think any believer would rob a bank. But how many are robbing Yahweh? Because he says, the tithe is mine, don't rob me. The tithe is mine. That's serious. Because Malachi calls failure to do that To give Yahweh his due, robbery. I don't want to rob Yahweh. That's about the worst thing we could do. In Ezekiel 18.10 and 1 Corinthians 6.10, lists thievery among those sins that will shut us out of the kingdom. See where it all leads? It does mean something. It is serious. But thankfully, Ezekiel 33.15 says it can be forgiven if we turn and go the other way. If the wicked restore the pledge... Give again that he has robbed. Walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. He shall surely live. He shall not die. There's hope. There's hope if we mess it all up to this point. Change. Change it. The great tragedy of our world is that the vast majority spend their lives like Jonah. Running in the opposite direction. You know, Jonah, according to the scholars, Tarshish was way over in Spain. That's 2,000 miles away from Nineveh. That's how eager he wanted to get away. He was going to go to the ends of the known earth to get away from Yahweh because he didn't want to go to Nineveh as Yahweh wanted him to do. Most live for the moment to please number one. The natural human desire for this world is insatiable. The richest men of the world simply want more. Surveys have shown time and time again that the poorest are the most generous, and Yasha pointed that out with the poor widow at the temple. 
She gave of her bread money. That's how much she wanted to serve Yahweh. That's how much her heart showed true love for Yahweh. So, the same is true in the ministry. Those who have the least to give, proportionately give the most. Yahshua even demonstrated the fact that the widow's might wasn't much, but it meant all to her, and then it, because of that it meant all to him. She gave when it hurt. That takes faith. She had no other desire than to serve Yahweh. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and uh, rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But uh, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6.19. And here we are, back again to the condition of the heart. You know, this feast taught that there is more to life than this life. There's a whole lot more than this life. I pray that this past week of separated devotion will make us hunger to walk even closer to Yahweh and to make real changes in life. That we will dig into the word with more zeal than ever before. A lesson we learn is about honing our relationship skills among brethren and knowing the truth and seeking the truth. 1 Corinthians 13.1 If I speak in the tongues of men, of angels, and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, wow, this is pretty much everything, and have not love, I'm nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily uh, uh, angered. If I keep no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It keeps no record. It always protects, always trusts, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love reflects a heart desire, the right heart desire for Yahweh. But where there are prophecies, they're, they're going to cease. Where there are tongues, they're going to fail. They're going to be stilled. But where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And now these things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. And that's what I hope the takeaway today is. That we have to love Yahweh above all. We love Yahweh by what we do. That he tells us to do in our lives to faithfully do those things because it's not natural. It's not natural for the natural man to do. But when you have the love of Yahweh, you do it no matter what. You sacrifice of yourself no matter what. You know that there's something more to this life than this life. So let's begin a walk of true obedience, if you haven't already. And let's pray that the Upcoming feasts will be times of reunion when we can all gather together and walk together and not have to 
go through a separation that is difficult. But we can overcome that too because we love Yahweh. Hallelujah.